Hello and welcome to your Actives AgriFood podcast. I'm Paula Andres. I'm Julia Ram. And here is your weekly update on all things agriculture in the EU from your Actives AgriFood team. This week, farmers' protests and the fall army worm. Baby shark, Okay, welcome to your Actives AgriFood podcast. What is happening? We've not gone crazy, we promise, maybe a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> judge for yourself. Um, but I think, is it because today we are alone here, Julia? That yeah, we are like we're going rogue. <laughs> we, don't have a, we don't have a boss with us. so uh, We are the bosses today. It's, it's the power that's gotten to our head. <laughs> no, that's actually a good reason why we're singing Baby Shark. Um, and it has to do with agriculture, which is that uh, we're just coming back from... Uh, Farmers' protests in Brussels. So uh, for those of you who don't know, we're recording this on Friday, even though you're listening on Monday. So we just got back. So um, today on Friday, there were some very big protests. They're still going on. Mm -hmm. How many the are they expecting? Thousands. They were expecting several thousands of tractors. Um, we don't have the final numbers in yet. The police weren't able to confirm any final numbers yet. Mm -hmm. But we definitely saw a lot of tractors and we know that Several thousands were expected to um, come to Brussels from the Belgian region of Flanders to uh, to protest here. Their demands were, uh, well, there were basically two demands. Two main demands, exactly. So the first has to do with uh, the Flemish CAP plan, so the Common Agricultural Policy of the EU. So maybe you remember from back in the time when the CAP plans were approved, that um, Belgium is actually submitting two separate plans to the European Commission. So it's mm -hmm. these plans, the national strategic plans that every EU member state has to hand in to set out how they want to basically implement the EU's common agricultural policy in their country. And Belgium has two of them, one for Flanders and one for Wallonia, for the two regions of the country. But With the Flemish one, there's some problems, aren't there? Yeah, this is something that uh, also the commissioner flagged a month ago, uh, that there were some political issues on implementation of the Flemish Cup. So it's being blocked, so money is not arriving to the farmers at the moment. So this was one of their concerns. Um, and the other one is the nitrogen agreement to reduce emissions, nitrogen emissions, um, which... Uh, yeah, maybe you remember that um, this is still an ongoing issue and has been a, uh, an extremely big issue in the Netherlands. Um, we've talked about it on the podcast before, so regular listeners will remember that. Um, but yeah, so in, in the Netherlands, it's been going on for many months, a fight between farmers and the government. And now the issue is actually similar in Flanders. And the farmers t told us at the protest that they have similar issues, similar demands than their colleagues in the Netherlands. Um, so Flanders has uh, set out plans to reduce nitrogen emissions. Um, the EU also obliges member states to do this to a certain point. But uh, it can be very difficult for livestock farmers especially uh, because it can mean that farms need to, um, to shrink down, that they need to be less intensive, have fewer animals on the same uh, amount of area. So for farmers, it's a very, very real, very material and financial issue. And farmers in Flanders who are protesting today feel like they're being left behind. Uh, they feel like they're not being adequately supported, like the government is not taking into account all the facts. So one of their arguments is that um, the government is calculating with current numbers of farms, even though actually 
a lot of farms are going to have to shut down anyways. Mm. And they argue that the government is not taking this into account. Um, and they also say, they also feel like the government is listening more to other big industries rather than smaller farmers and that they're putting uh, an unreasonable burden on farmers to reduce nitrogen and letting the industry off the hook. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we spoke to some uh, farmers who were present at the, at the protest today. Some of them came from you know, 100 kilometers away mm. from Brussels. So uh, imagine making that distance by tractor. Yeah, they woke up at 6 in the morning. They arrived to Brussels at 10 a.m. Um, so yeah, we spoke to, to a couple of them. Yeah, let's hear first from Brand van Hecke. He's the chair of the Flemish Young Farmers Association. And I asked him why farmers are taking to the streets today. What we really want as Flemish young farmers is to have the perspective, the future perspective, to be able to have a farm, to get an income off the farm. And with all the legislation the Flemish government is now imposing on us, we fear that we will not be able to do that. We really want to farm with nature, to do that together. But what we see now is policy that doesn't give us perspective, that doesn't give us the possibility to take over a farm. And with that, we don't agree at all. And do you have any specific demands to the EU, to the Brussels level? Yeah, the EU, we actually also, as Grüne Kring, as young farmers, we stood in front of the European Parliament a few months ago. All the legislation comes from the EU and that's all fair, but we really need to check, all right, what does this do to the environment, to nature, of course, but also what, what is the impact on young farmers? And that's what we really don't see right now, what the impact is on young farmers. And, and that is detrimental. We want nature in Europe, but we also want young farmers. Now we have to see, okay, how will we make sure that we still have young farmers in the future? That's um, already some, some info on why farmers took to the streets. Um, for everyone who stayed uh, with us so far, we also want to solve the riddle of what the baby shark actually was about. <laughs> we we realized we didn't actually <laughs> explain it properly earlier. Uh, but it's a bit like, uh, for those of you who remember two weeks ago when we had a quiz about MEPs on buses to keep you on your toes. So <laughs> this time it's the riddle of the baby shark to keep you listening. Uh, so we actually heard, um, we even uh, recorded it, so we have proof for those of you who don't, um, who don't believe us. But we actually heard... Um, Farmers on their tractors playing the melody of Baby Shark with their horns. I have proof. <laughs> I don't know if that was something or uh, maybe <laughs> no one got it, but we swear it was a baby shark. Yeah, we have, we're two witnesses. <laughs> so we also spoke to another farmer um, from coming from the northwest of Flanders, actually one of the ones who traveled 100 kilometers to come to Brussels. Uh, she's called Lise Sambers and uh, yeah, she's a farmer herself. So let's listen to what she had to say. We are a farmer ourselves. We are from uh, Ypres. Maybe you know it as the city of peace in, in Flanders. Um, so we're about 100 kilometers of Brussels. But we are, um, we think it's very important to be here to protest for our um, our rights to have here in, in Flanders and in Europe because the politics don't uh, always understand us. That's what my opinion is. And uh, now we're here to say on we want uh, our rights. We want to, to farm. We want to, to let's grow the vegetables and, and, and have our, our, our animals. Um, that's for us very, very important. But with all the, 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 the rules that they are, think now of and they want more and more nature instead of ag ag agriculture um, and 
that's something that's that we don't really understand so um, that's why we are here now to protest But uh, nitrogen in the cap plan wasn't the only thing that uh, worried farmers this week. There was actually another quite worrying news that we also want to talk about today. Yeah, so this week saw the announcement uh, that the fall armyworm, a pest uh, which can damage and destroy a wide variety of crops uh, and has already wreaked uh, havoc across Africa and Asia, had been discovered in the EU for the very first time uh, last week. So our colleague Natasha spoke with Sibren Voss, a team leader at the European Food Safety Agency's Plant Health Division, to learn more about what this could mean for the EU agri-food sector and what steps are being taken to contain the spread of this deadly pest. This week, we've heard some some worrying news about the fall armyworm reaching the EU. Um, so perhaps you could kick us off and just tell us a little bit about this fall armyworm. What is this? This uh, 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 fall armyworm is is an insect species. It's a moth. It's called Spodoptera fujiperda, and it's in the family of Lepidoptera. And uh, this is a, a clearly distinguished uh, species. Uh, it's very extremely polyphagous. So about 180 host plants have been identified uh, uh, for this pest. And it includes also non-cultivated species. The characteristics of this uh, pest in particular is its uh, very important mobility. Uh, because it can it can fly uh, uh, at higher altitudes from 100 meters to 1,000 meters, and it takes advantage of air currents, so it can move for long distances. Um, and the second big characteristic, as I said before, it is highly polyphagous. Mm. And so that means that so presumably it impacts many many crops, many different kinds of crops. What what kind of crops does this mainly impact? Um, so it, it, it is uh, mainly uh, known to occur on uh, uh, corn and on uh, rice. It is, uh, however, also uh, uh, known to, uh, to what has been intercepted and is known to follow trade uh, uh, pathways uh, with uh, uh, pepper uh, in particular. And so how, how bad are we talking here? You know, how worried should we be that this has now turned up in the EU? What kind of impact could this have on the EU agricultural sector? We have been working on this, on this uh, uh, pest for many years and we started to work on it since uh, uh, 2017 when it was first reported in Africa and it started evasion in Africa. So in that time, we have done a lot of work to increase the preparedness of member states uh, uh, to this emerging threat. And uh, now it has uh, its evasion has, has continued. It has covered uh, 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 large territories of Africa, uh, including uh, well, it has gone to the Middle East, but it has also been identified uh, in areas uh, such as uh, uh, the Canary Islands. How can this be controlled? Is there a way that this that, that this can be controlled? Is there a pesticide that works against this pest, or is this um, you know maybe explain to us a little bit the, the control mechanisms? Yeah, at this at this phase of the first uh, uh, occurrence in uh, first report of this uh, of this pest in the European territory, uh, the the main focus is on the surveillance of the territory. So, so that is uh, the first measure is to ensure that we have a good delimitation of the boundaries of the area where the, this 
this uh, butterfly is circulating. So we know where to target the measures to control it. Uh, in particular, uh, the, uh, the, the, this, uh, this is mainly a pesticide-based control, uh, this crop protection. Of course, there's a lot of biological control that can also be done with uh, specific organisms and appropriate scouting, forecast systems, and so on. However, this pest is highly mobile, and therefore uh, uh, the, the, the reactions uh, should be at low levels of population. Therefore, the surveillance is so important to detect the pest at early stages. Yeah, because it was, so it was found in Cyprus, so presumably you're also scouting, you're concerned about the neighboring countries right now. It has first invaded Africa and it has gone, gone north, uh, north uh, uh, covering almost the uh, whole Africa until the Saharan area. Uh, it has, uh, on, the, on the west, it has uh, uh, established also in the Canary Islands. And on the east, it has now also been found uh, in, in uh, uh, Syria, Jordan, Egypt and uh, Turkey recently also in Turkey. So the pest is continuing its invasion process. In Asia, it has also covered some large parts of uh, Asia with about 20 countries that have been covered. And it, it has also now recently been found uh, in the, around 2020 in, in uh, Australia. So this pest is highly invasive and is continuing its, its route to uh, uh, conquer the areas where, uh, where uh, basically the, the climate or the environment is suitable for it to reproduce uh, and to create viable populations. Hmm. And so how closely linked is this this discovery in the EU is how closely is this linked to kind of climate change um, in terms of, you know, changing climate and it's moving, moving up into the EU? Well, that is something that we have not really uh, uh, studied, but of course, uh, uh, this is uh, being an insect. It is uh, uh, climate driven. So, so the areas where we have the most uh, uh, the highest probability of for the pest to establish if it arrives is, are those areas where uh, winter temperatures are above 10 degrees, where no frost is found and so on. So this is in particular the areas of southern regions of Portugal, Spain, Italy, Malta, uh, Greece and Cyprus where it is found now. And of course, the, the climate has to go together, the favorable climate has to go together with the availability of host plants. Yeah. So the invasions are uh, uh, possible in those areas where the climate is suitable and where the host plants are present. And I suppose we've had such a we had a really warm winter, so I suppose that hasn't hasn't helped anything at all. Yeah, but what what we look at is in the longer term. Okay, so so basically when we talk of these temperatures with insects, we talk of degree days. So you could have migrations, seasonal migrations, like they have noticed in the native areas of distribution of this pest in the Americas. So you have are, the, 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 the pest is in some areas where it is established, and then there is a seasonal migration to where maize is being produced, and then and then uh, that, that migration doesn't end up with a successful establishment because the climate is not favorable. But there are, of course, seasonal migrations that can occur. And so talking about kind of economic damage that this pest has had in the places it's been established, do you have a kind of figure for, for, for the impact, the economic impact on the agricultural sector that this pest has caused? 
No, we know that it was extremely uh, uh, followed uh, invasion in Africa in particular, as it was affecting directly the maize productions. Uh, uh, and in that sense, yes, it is a, it, it, it is a, a pest that is uh, highly uh, invasive uh, and uh, quite uh, uh, voracious, uh, but not the adults. It's in particular the larvae, the other stages. So if you intervene at early stages, you can reduce the levels of impact. But uh, we, we in EFSA, we don't deal with the economic impact assessments. Yeah? We, we, we try to understand what, what are the mechanisms of these biological invasions, and uh, we try to understand if these uh, uh, invasions could cause uh, any effect on, on, uh, on, on crops or on environment, but not in monetary terms. Okay. And so then for the for the next steps, you said you were focusing on surveillance. So I suppose over the next few weeks, that's going to be your, your main focus um, in terms of the EU. So in terms of the EU, it's a bit different because what we do, basically, we prepare the member states to do the work. Okay. So we are somehow developing toolkits in some years uh, for the member states to be uh, prepared for this uh, activity. So we have been supporting the Commission uh, and the member states with uh, uh, alerts through horizon scanning systems to uh, identify the threat. Uh, then we have reacted to support them uh, to make a, a scientific-based uh, 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 decision for the legislation uh, based on risk assessment and then further on the implementation implementation of the legislation, uh, we want to help the, me the member state to perform uh, uh, statistically sound and uh, 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 robust surveys that are also comparable uh, in time. Yeah? So that, that is the basic uh, uh, support that we have given to prepare them to this type of invasions and the legislative uh, context is also developed in, the, in that way. So that the member states, they uh, uh, have uh, to, to survey on a yearly basis and find these pests, this pest in particular at early stages of, of this invasion to be able to act. Thank you very much, Sibren. So that's all from us this week. This week, the AgriFood podcast was produced by Euractiv's AgriFood news team. That's Paula Andres, Natasha Foot, and Julia Dam, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms like Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Julia Dam. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm -hmm.